How are we doing? Are we all happy? That's my kind of go-to phrase when I meet people. Are we happy? Matthew 5 talks about blessed are those. Well, the real meaning of blessed is the word happy. So in the last, um, I guess in the last year or so, I've been done a few sessions where I've been attempting to uh, remind us of the the eternal purpose of God. And um, we started off by looking at Matthew 19, where Jesus uses the word or the phrase renewal of all things. Remember that, palingenesia, which basically means second time around or again in Genesis. So palingenesia, Genesis again. And this this truth that that God has an eternal purpose, that it's not just about me and my relationship with Jesus, that is part of it, but God has an eternal plan. And then we looked at that clip from the uh, movie, one of the Narnia movies, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, where the three kids are standing in the room looking at the picture of a ship on the sea and all of a sudden the sea comes to life and it starts to fall into the room and then they're drawn into the picture. And how God wants to draw us into his story, into his picture, so that we become part of his eternal purpose. And of course we've also looked at Philippians where Paul says that he doesn't look at what's behind him, he's striving for the goal, for what's what's ahead. And the analogy of the Peanuts cartoon where Charlie Brown and Lucy are talking about a cruise ship and they say, well, you know, some people have their deck chair at the back of the boat where they can see where they've been and others have their deck chair at the front so that we can see where they're going. And how that's really important, we need to live with the end in mind, not with what's behind us, we live with the end in mind. And then we used a, story, used a rope illustration, I think, um, a few weeks back. A long rope that wandered everywhere, but on the end of it, there was this very small piece, which is our life here on earth. And how we put all our effort and our energy and our resource into this short piece of life when there's a whole eternity and we need to live with the end in mind. And so I've been thinking about that truth a lot, and I'm what I want us to to grab hold of it because I think it's so necessary, so important. I've been reading recently and, and uh, listening to some guys, reading some blogs of Christian leaders from the States or ex-Christian leaders from the States, worship leaders, teachers, pastors, the son of a very famous um, itinerant preacher, people who have walked away from their faith who have said goodbye to their relationship with Jesus. And as I've listened to the stories and, and, and um, their blogs and read their blogs and that, just there's a couple of things that come out. One, the most important one seems to be, is that their faith was tied just to the relationship with Jesus. It was just about Jesus and me. And of course, we live in a world where relationships are fragile. And some of these guys had just broken up with their wives at the same time as they'd broken up with Jesus. And so sometimes that relationship is not enough. And of course, we have 
some very severe winds in our culture that would do all that they can to blow us off course and to take us away from, from our calling. And sometimes the, what holds us in just our relationship with Jesus, and I'm not, I'll come back to this in a minute, so I'm not belittling our relationship with Jesus at all, but sometimes the winds of our culture are not enough to hold us firm when we're really buffeted, okay? So um, there's a verse in Hebrews that talks about us having our, our hope is on solid rock. Our hope is an anchor that goes into solid rock. And the verse before, a couple of verses before that, it talks about the unchanging nature of God's purpose and how that is our hope. That is our hope and our rock in which we place the anchor. In the boating that I do, there are two types of anchors. One is an anchor that different shapes and sizes that is attached to a chain and then attached to a rope into the boat. And that hooks onto the solid rock or the seabed and holds the boat firm in a buffeting wind and a, a rising sea. The other sort of anchor is what's called a sea anchor or a drogue. And it's like a large parachute that floats out the back of the boat and holds the boat sort of when the wind is blowing. And you think the boat is being held, but it's not really being held. It's just the movement is just being slowed down. Sometimes I think that unless we have a faith and a theology of God that holds us really firm in God's eternal purpose, his story that we've been drawn into, if not, the winds of our culture can blow strong enough to take us off course. So that's really important. I want, to, I want to stress that. And even the times when I speak in the future, if I get asked to speak after today, um, that'll be the kind of the process of what I'm working through. So we need to be grounded in his eternal purpose, to be drawn into the story, to participate and contribute to his wonderful cosmic story of restoration. And we're all invited to, to be part of the story. And no matter how kind of inconspicuous or inadequate we think our lives have been, we are all part of the story. God welcomes us all to be part of what he is doing. None of us are left in the changing room or on the, on the, on the bus. We're on the field. And no matter what injuries we carry from the past or what things have occurred in our lives, God wants to use us as part of his restoration plan. Is that right? That's good. And his spirit has life-changing power within us. will take the damage of our lives, will often take the mess of our lives to be a message of hope and restoration for others. So that's the vein in which I want to work on this morning and I want to pursue that so if you can just give me a minute some of you thought you were going to church this morning but you actually took the wrong road and you left ended up at the circus you know but um, studies research says that given two weeks you will forget what's been said at church but the chances are that in two years' time, you'll remember 
that some old geezer got up, got up in church dressed as a gift. <laughs> now, when I read the Bible, there is a kind of a, a sub-theme right through Scripture that I think is incredibly powerful. And that is that life itself is a gift. Life is a gift. And I want to, just over the next two hours, um, <laughs> I want to unwrap that, um, pun intended. Um, I want to unwrap that into three different areas. Firstly, my life is a gift from God. Okay? Your life is a gift from God. My dad used to say to me that, that I was the, the fruit of his loins. You know, that verse, quoted that verse from Genesis 35, you know, um, that I was the fruit of his loins. In other words, I know that my parents had sex and I'm a result of that. But before that, before that, God, God, you know, God put me together. I'm a gift from God. And just as in Genesis 1 and 2, when God created the world, he spoke, he spoke the word for the mountains to be formed, for the seas to be formed, for the trees to grow. He spoke the word, but when he made man, he formed him out of his hand as, a, as an expression of love. You know, if, if, you, if you make a gift for someone, as many of you guys will be doing next Saturday night, ready for Mother's Day, if, if when you make a gift for someone, you're putting care and love and attention into that gift. It's a part of you. It's a part of you that you're putting into it. And when God put us together, he made us with love and generosity and formed us in his, with his own hands. We are a gift from God. That same sentiment is carried through into Psalm 139, where, where it says that I would, he was there when I was being formed in my mother's womb. Life is a gift. My life, your life is a gift from God. It's physically, but also spiritually. We've, Charmaine shared this morning. That our, that our spiritual life is a gift. God in his generosity sent his son at great cost. And of course the value of, of anything is seen in what you are willing to pay for it. And God was willing to pay with, for us a gift with the death of his son, his own blood. So my physical life and my spiritual life is a gift from God, Right? And God in his generosity also is gifting mankind with his life. In fact, in Genesis where, you know, when man rebelled and when he resisted God's control and decided to live his own life and run his life by his own rules, he, we call it sin, he sinned against God and he, he rebelled, okay, but also because he wanted to provide for himself, he removed himself from God's generosity. It's really important. It has a lot to say about our environment today and, and what's happening with poverty in the world. But we have, mankind has removed himself from God's generosity. And in Matthew, when Jesus reintroduces God's world or God's kingdom, he likens God's care and God's love for us, his generosity to caring for the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. And then he uses the image of a host putting on a lavish feast, a banquet. And in New Testament times, the banquet or the feast was 
the, the, the best expression of generosity. And so we see in Revelation as well that God in his generosity is the host who puts on this marvelous banquet at the end of time for his people. God is a generous God. So life is a gift. But I also give my life back to God, don't I? Romans 12 talks about how we are to lay our lives as a sacrifice, as a living sacrifice for him to accept. Now, when Paul says that, he's, he's referring back to the previous chapters of Romans where he talks about man's sinfulness and what Jesus has done on the cross. And then he says in, in, in chapter 8 about how there is no condemnation for those who love God and call according to his purpose. And he goes on and at the end of that chapter. He says, well, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Life and death, angels and demons, Nothing can separate us from our love. Then he goes, so chapter 12, give your life back to him. Now, I guess most of us here can think of a time in our past, can put a, a, a moment of time in place in our memory where we acknowledge that we gave our lives to God, right? Perhaps if you've never done that this morning, if, if you've never come to a stage in your life where you've said, God, i let go of my control and I give it to you. That could be a good opportunity for you to do that today. For you to say, I want to start this journey of giving my life as a process, but today is the start where I give it to you. You may, if you've never done that, I want to suggest that could be a good reason why you're here this morning. Forget how I'm dressed. <laughs> but it could be a good opportunity for you to give your life to God. And just as I can look back and see moments of time where I've given my life to God, I can also see it's a process because stuff has arisen in my life since that I know has to be given to God every day. You know, I used to have a bit of a temper. I mean, never with people, but just with stuff. I remember when I was 20 years of age, 21, 20 years, about 21, I was building a house for my father and I, stuff wasn't going right in the bedroom and I threw the hammer against the wall and I went right through the jibboard, both sides, and skated across the lounge floor. So I walked around the hallway and into the lounge, and there's a real estate agent and a client looking at this hammer on the floor. And I'm thinking, oh, I've just come to pick up the hammer, you know. I'm just, it just flew out of my hand, you know, but I was in a fit of rage. <laughs> so God works, God's working with me, and I still find that there are parts of my life, areas that I need to give back to God. Continually. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about when someone becomes a Christian, they become a brand new person in sight. That really means when someone is becoming, it's a process, ongoing. And so for me, the giving of my life back to God is something that I do. I give the more I know of myself to the more that I know of God. So we gift our lives. Back to him, right? There's a saying that goes something like this. Your life is a gift from God, but what you do with it is your gift back to him. Think about that. Your life is a gift from God, but what you do with it is your gift back to him. Which brings us to number three. Our life is a gift to others. It really is. When you read Jesus' teachings about the kingdom 
and about God's world and God's way of living life, which is probably best summed up in Matthew 5 to 7 and Luke chapter 6, what we call the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. Jesus talks about what we need to do with our lives in terms of our relationship with others. He talks about laying down your life. He talks about being generous. He talks about giving your life up. He talks about laying it down. There is nothing in those passages about what, what's important to me. Nothing in there about, well, I can take the first place in this or I can... Um, I can take the upper hand. I can. It's, what's, what, it's always the other person. It's actually your good at my expense. And so the message of the kingdom is about me laying my life down for others, giving it up, generous with my life. Now, the passage talks about laying your life down, about giving your life up and about being generous and about loving others but in 2021 in Upper Hutt, New Zealand how do we practically do that? How do we practically give our lives? I mean I'm going to read a passage in a minute, in fact I'm going to do it right now but after that and that's the minute I'm going to ask you and we're going to sort of join this together to see if we can have some very practical ways of how we can gift our life, how, how we can live generously, how do we love in a very practical sense? Because you see, you, you, can, you can give without loving, and a lot of people do. A lot of wealthy, you know, benefactors give without loving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Giving or loving is a very, very practical thing. And we're going to look at how we can do that in a very, very practical way. I want to read just a couple of passages um, in Luke chapter Luke chapter 6. So the nutshell is that, and this is the upside, the upside down nature of God's kingdom is that this is a nuisance, dear. This thing here. I'm glad it wasn't my idea, eh? <laughs> Viv says, why don't you dress up as a gift this morning? That would be really cool, you know? Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, when, when we... Our tendency, our, our culture says, what you've got, hold on to. You know, it's your life, hold on to it, it's yours. Take care of it. And that's it. But, but God's world, God's kingdom says, what you, if you hold on to it, you'll lose it. The only way that you really find its true worth and its true value is by letting it go, by giving it up. That is so anti what our culture, that is so different from what we're told, what we're told to believe. I guess the if you could sum it up, what the Bible says about the gift of life is something like, your life is incredibly precious. It's, it has immense value. It's worth so much. And yet, I want you to give it back to me and give it away to others. So let's read a couple of passages in Luke chapter 6. 
To you who really who are ready for the truth, I say this, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Carton-variety sinners do that. Don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures, criticise their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang and be easy. So be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier yourself. Give away your life. You'll find life given back to you. But not merely given back, but given back with bonus and a special blessing. Isn't that good? So how can we do that? How can you and I do that today? How can we live in... Can I get out of this? How do we, um, today, tomorrow, tomorrow, let's say this, this week coming, how can we live life generously? How can we in a practical way, what are some of the ways that we can do practically to give our lives, to lay our lives down for others? Time, okay? What are some of the, what are some of the barriers that we have in giving our time? Busyness? Yep. Busyness is a not a good thing, eh? In fact, our culture kind of puts busyness as a symbol of importance, doesn't it? In some ways, it, you know, it, you know, um, oh, I've got to fly to Auckland tomorrow, and then coming back, then I've got a busy day with meetings. And busyness is important, but it's a fallacy, eh? So busyness is an enemy of spending time with people. What is there another? Is there another enemy for time? Spending time with people. What's another enemy? Yeah, selfishness. Yeah, yeah. Just doing your own thing and just, you know, disregarding other selfishness. Interruptions are a, can be a bit of an enemy of time too, can't they? You know, we, we're going to be doing something that possibly helping others, but some, the phone goes and someone else calls in and, you know, we, we end up being interrupted because of what we were going to be doing anyway. I mean, I think Jesus gives us a really good example of, I think it's in um, Matthew 9, when he's talking about new wine in the wineskins and he's interrupted by Jairus because his daughter's died. And, and so you'd imagine Jesus speaking to a, to, to a bunch of people. Jairus comes up and worships him and says, my daughter's died, can you come and pray for her and bring her back to life? As he goes to Jairus's house, 
a woman comes who's bleeding badly and, touch, and, and wants to spend time with him as well. So he was interrupted after he had been interrupted. And yet he, Jesus turned the, the nuisance of an interruption into an opportunity to see the power of God at work. And so we need to, we need to see interruptions as sometimes an opportunity for God to do something really special, a good interaction with people. Isn't that true? Yeah. I find that so often. I find that, you know, many, many times someone will come into the office and I know that I'm busy and, you know, you tend, your first response is to say, hey, listen, can you come back? But you never know what people are going through. You never know why they wanted to interact with you and engage. So always make time for people. The interruption might be a really good opportunity. What's another, what's another practical way that we can be generous and give our life and lay our life down? Yeah, true. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And example of that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yep, knowing your gift. Hospitality, yep. On a personal level as well as kind of just caring for people and being, you mean, unwrap hospitality a bit, Ron? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's the picture of the feast from the New Testament as well, generosity and yeah. Yep, cool. Okay. Another way that we can be generous and lay our life give ourselves to others. The gifting of ourselves. In another way? Sorry? Pray. We can pray for others. We can ask God specifically for those that he wants our prayers to lift up and to, to, to hold in place and in specific things for those people as well, eh? Yeah. Volunteering. Volunteering? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Caring. I, I had... Um, Mark Hamilton's boss came to me, well, we were talking a few months ago, and um, his boss said, we don't employ Mark because he's good at what he does. So, Mark, don't bother going back tomorrow. <laughs> he said, we employ Mark because he cares for people. And I thought that was brilliant. You know, that was, that was a great thing to hear because, and then he said, he cares for people and then they come and they buy stuff from us. <laughs> But that is so good, <clears throat> just caring for people. I know that Mark has a lot to do with builders who, you know, struggle with their relationships and, and stuff and families, and Mark's right in there in the middle of it. Cares for people, got the time. It's so cool. Another one, another way that we can practically give. <coughs> Sacrificial giving of money. Yep. So... By, by that we mean it costs us something to give. 
correct. Yeah, yeah. The 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 giving it costs it costs us something. Yep. I remember, <laughs> Liv and I are watching each other. We do that occasionally. Um, <laughs> But when we were on the when we when we were really hard up after we'd lost all our money, we were broke, and and um, someone had given us five hundred dollars, which was a lot of money back in when was it ninety two, and um, I had, I put it in a book in our study in my study, and I forgot what, which book I put it in, <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't find it. <laughs> and when we were shifting house, I was carrying this box load of books down the stairs, and I fell in the Books went over the driveway, and including five hundred dollars pops out in the drive. <laughs> and so we went to a person, went to a, um, a guys, a guys, a couple who he was. He became a Christian through Campus Life actually years before, but we went to his house a couple of weeks later for a meal over in Pyrrha. <laughs> we ended up giving him the five hundred dollars, <laughs> and we had nothing. Yeah, am I forgiven for that? Yeah. But you, but giving sacrificially, even if you don't see the results of it, you know you don't have to see the result of it. You just give because you sense God is giving you the message to let it go. Okay. Another way I think is 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 um, taking ourselves off the high ground. Now I got a, we had a situation at work a few a few weeks ago where as a bit of bit of argy-bargy with some of the guys. And I said to my man, I said, I think the best thing to do would be to apologise. And he said, I'm not apologising. He said, I've done nothing wrong. I said, apologise for the misunderstanding. That's all you need to do. You don't need to apologise you did anything wrong, just that there's been a misunderstanding between the parties. And he did that, and the whole thing came over. And it was removing himself from a higher position and apologising, saying sorry is a very powerful word and it breaks down a lot of barriers, gets you into a lot of places. Sorry. I say sorry a lot. I'm a married man. <laughs> Other way? Listening. Listening is good. Who said that? You did. Yeah. Okay. I'm listening. Any more? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Viv and I had a few days away last last week, and Viv was talking to a lady, and she, all she, well, Viv would ask questions, and the lady would speak and speak and speak, but never asked any questions back. Did you ever get that? Where someone just wants to talk about themselves, you know? And um, don't do that, you know, listen to what the other person is expressing, you know? All right, is that it? Yeah. That's good. That's good, yeah. 
Viv actually prompted me to say that, to, to do that. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm, what I'm saying is our life is a gift, you know. Your life is a gift, a gift from God, a gift back to God, and a gift to others. If your life, if you want your life to have real meaning and real purpose and real value and real worth, give it away. If you want to make a difference in God's eternal story and his kingdom, be generously generous with all that you have. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for your generosity to us. We've heard about that this morning as we've just enjoyed communion together, remembered the gracious gift of your life for us. And Lord, we do. We give our lives back to you. Constantly we do. But Lord, we also want to give our lives to others and be a part of your eternal story and your plan, your plan of restoration for your people that you've made, you've created. And so Lord, help us, help us even tomorrow, tomorrow to live life right, to give our lives to others, not just to think about it, but to do it. And Lord, even now as we just wait in quietness, and I ask that we do that, just Maybe we can think of a situation or a couple or a person at school or at work that we can practically be generous and give to. Can we just think for a moment on that and then make a decision to act upon it? I don't know if you've been... um, in a situation where, where gifts are being given, Christmas or birthdays or, or even next week at Mother's Day, guys, don't go down this road because you'll get into trouble. But where you hear the comment, oh, look, sorry, I, I haven't got you a gift, but it's a thought that counts. You had that? You had that? You tell me, I don't want a thought. I can't wear a thought. I can't go fishing with a thought. I want something. I want a gift. You know, Christians, folks, Christians are so good at thinking about it. We give it a thought. We give it some, you know, some mind space. What we need to do is give the gift. Because giving the thought tomorrow is no good. We need to give the gift of our life. Amen? Cool. Right.